Much to the chagrin of many listeners, we are back for the final episode of season 11. Oh, okay. That makes sense. I guess we can end one at the end of the year. Well, actually, I guess next year is the end of the year. I lied. This won't be the last one. I think season 12 will start in January. Unless you're going to be gone next week. I'm going to be gone next week. Well, this is the first. Roger's going to miss a podcast because he's gone. You're so busy. You're always missing podcasts. Where are you? What's important to you? I'm visiting our children in North Carolina. Oh, well, I... Yes! Yes, that makes it fine. (laughs) It does make it fine. As long as you're visiting the kids in North Carolina. So this is the Ho 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 Christmas edition. Yep, I'm wearing my Christmas green and Christmas... Oh, I love that. John Deere. Also with the John Deere hat. Um... Because I own a lot of John Deere. <laughs> Got a little they, John they, Deere. They should be giving you a bunch of free merch is what they should be. They should be. you paid for it. John Deere tractor, John Deere zero turn, John Deere riding mower. Yeah. Oh, a lot of John Deere going We need on. to talk to them about... Sponsorship. Yes. Well, <laughs> the hat, the shirt. We are giving you guys some free publicity here. We'd like it not to be free. <laughs> Yes, we would, like, we would like for it to we be would. paid publicity. Imagine what we could do with this podcast if we were if we were sponsored. Imagine what we could do with this podcast if we had more than 70 subscribers. We're not yet what they call influencers. <laughs> we have not achieved that echelon of echelonivity. Maybe it's because we're not singing enough. In the Christmas edition, we should probably just sing... There'll be lots of singing Jolly this, Chris, you know... There'll be lots of singing in this edition, right? Have a holly jolly Christmas... Just all these merry, happy Christmas songs. I'm all for that. Or we could sing Be a Missionary every day. Nope. Nope. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so here, I had, a, I had something I wanted to throw out to our listeners today that might be helpful for married couples. Okay, this won't work for boyfriend-girlfriend stuff. But married couples can do this. We're just jumping right from Christmas into marriage. We are. So Marlene and I have reached this beautiful place of we don't feel like we need to buy each other something for Christmas anymore. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, when we when we buy when we have that thing like we talked about it last week, but if I get her for something for Christmas, she feels like she needs to get me for something for Christmas. And so for Weeks leading up to Christmas, she'll say this over and over again. I just don't have you. I haven't bought you anything for Christmas. I'm like, don't worry about it. I don't need anything. I haven't bought you anything for Christmas. Don't worry about it. I don't need anything. And the reality is, we don't need anything. <laughs> There's nothing that we're going. Oh, that's something I need right there. That's that's. And I that's, hate. That's one of the. Dare I say it's one of the? I was thinking about the things I love about Christmas, but one of the things I don't is Christmas. In some ways, becomes a burden because it's the burden of. Um, I've got to get a gift. Is this a person? Did they get me something? I've got to... And, and, and Roger's been so fun this year, because I, I did get you a gift. Okay. I did. But it's something you need. Right. And I know it's something that you need, but that and it, it makes it fun, because, hey, he'll he'll like this, he'll need this, this is... I got you a gift, too. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it's right here. Oh, you brought it with you? I did. Oh, I can run out to the <laughs> shop and get mine. I didn't know we were giving gifts... Can we start over? <laughs> Can we just start over? 
I didn't know see, the Christmas edition. Now was watch, watch. The exchange. See, you're feeling the press right there. No, no, it's because I already got you something. I already. I just didn't know this was the t- timing. Does matter. <laughs> timing. So does, I'm screwing up the timing. Yes, but let me finish my thought. Okay, no, you, you had a thought. Uh, that's thought was, yes. I'll just put my little gift right there. How about we take a lot of marital pressure off of couples and say, you don't need to buy each other stuff. What Marlene and I do, do, and you can't say that too close together, because then it's do-do. You just say, what we do, do, is I buy certain things for myself that I want. It's not something that I need, although one thing was a need. Do you do this at Christmas? This has become one of your traditions? Yeah, so like this marmot face that I'm wearing... I got it on clearance for 20 bucks, which I know for you sounds horrendous. You're like, who would spend $20 on a fleece? That was the that was the special price? Yeah, but Marmot guarantees everything for life. So, you know, if it dies or the ripper zips, you can sell it. Wait, wait, wait. Out that, what is this guarantee for life thing? Marmot guarantees their stuff for life. So if there's a defect or a flaw, now normal wear and tear doesn't, you know, if I get burn holes in it from the campfire, they're not going to replace it. But yeah, outdoor research and marmot, a lot of the stuff that I buy, and I do buy a lot of outdoor gear because it, I go through it much faster than the average person. So if if this has a flaw in it, I can send it back and get another one. If it has some flaw that emerges, or just yeah, like that emerges. Fr- like first- if this zipper stopped working, I send yeah. it back. They give me another. They either put a new zipper on this one, or I get another one. Really? Yeah. So I encourage people when they're buying. I, I say because I get a lot of people asking me what kind of gear to buy. I'm like. Osprey for packs because they, they guarantee their stuff. You can send it back to Osprey. They'll okay. put a new flap in it. They'll put a new belt on it. They'll put a new buckle on it. And they just send it back to you. Outdoor Research also does that. And Marmot. <laughs> but what Marlene and I have ta- we've taken the pressure off by, she'll buy some things that she wants and wrap them for herself from Bruce. I'll buy some things that I want and I'll wrap them for myself from Marlena. And then we open them, and it's like, oh, thank you, hon. This is great. I love this. In fact, Marlena's always excited to see what she got me. It's a different kind of surprise. But I realized, because I was talking to someone yesterday. Yes. Now, how much did I spend on that? <laughs> no, she typically doesn't. If she did, that would be not good. No, I, I've, I've gotten much better about buying stuff on clearance now. In fact, typically, I don't even look at brands unless it's on clearance. Really? Oh, yeah. I'm, this, I'm a clearance guy. Now, Marlena is a thrift guy, so she would get this fleece for $2. Right. So it's a you know $70 fleece. I get it for $20. Marlena would get it for 2 Marlena might be able to get someone to give her money to listen. Well, okay, would, you no, take it, and we'll give you a dollar. She would find money in the pocket. That's exactly <laughs> That's what would happen. She would find money in the pocket and be like, oh, I had no idea. Which, um, by the way, I think I might have told you, but... A year or so ago, at a state sale, bought a set of golf clubs. Yeah. And in down in the bag, there was the the guy had a little um, folder with different things, but he apparently had his betting cash. His That's whole right. So he had like sixty dollars. So I found Pretty sixty sweet. bucks one time in a in a golf club bag. I bought so I bought the golf club bag and clubs for. It's probably fifteen bucks. That's pretty nice. Anyway, just one of those cash in the pocket stories. So take the pressure off your relationship. Don't feel like you have to buy gifts for each other. Just buy a gift or two for yourself. Wrap it. Put it from your spouse, and both of you are surprised on Christmas morning. Because I'm excited to see what I got, Marlena. It's a different kind of excitement. Although I have an idea, it's a white shirt. 
<laughs> no, right. Because that might be something... My wife would get me something that she likes to see on me or that you know so this which in her case is just a clean shirt right that's that's all she's hoping for for me is she can i get you something that's not stained because because i wear things for years and years and years this classic sweatshirt which terrifies my wife um actually it was bought during the carter administration it was yes (laughs) yes (laughs) i paid 10 cents for it and it's just uh, Done so well for me. But and it yes. was actually constructed during the Nixon administration. <laughs> but it's actually quite yeah, durable, as it turns out. That's the, yeah, it's got a, hey, so got I, a wire woven right very, into it. It's very interesting, because I, we both, Marlene and I, did get something <coughs> for Zach <coughs> that we're both very excited about, that, that he's going to get, because I'm like, but I realized, I, it just made me think of Jesus. He said, he said, all right, you fathers. How much do you enjoy giving good gifts to your children? And I'm like, I love giving good gifts. I love to think of good gifts for the children. And I'm excited to see him open that thing on on Christmas morning. But then Jesus said, how much more does your father want to give you the Holy Spirit? Or give you in another place, he talks about good gifts. Man, even the fact that we enjoy giving is the heart of the father. It is the image of God. In us. Right. And Jesus even reflected on how, even though you being evil as fathers, want to give good gifts to your children. It's just another beautiful reminder of the heart of the Father toward us. Loves to give us good gifts. Uh, the only reason that we enjoy giving is because we're made in the image of God. Yeah, no, a point, yeah, that's great. That's a, it's a pointer to made in the image of someone who absolutely loves yeah, and it's, and it's giving. giving, and I know we talked about this last week, but it's giving without the demand for reciprocity. Right. Father gives to us, not demanding, now what are you going to give me, Bruce? What are you, you going to, because a lot of people think, of it, oh, I've got to do certain prayers, or I've got to do certain deeds, or acts, or whatever else. No, God gives because that's his nature, character, personhood. He loves giving good gifts to his children. And he doesn't want gift giving to be, a, I was thinking about this, <coughs> When we get caught up, whatever reason, in this, he got me, I've got to get something, or that that kind of dynamic, it kind of misses the whole... Either way, whether we've, we're feeling the pressure, or we have an expectation for others, if we give them... Right, it's, it's pressure or expectation. I think about how that affects our relationship with God. In the legalistic community, yep. it creates both pressure and expectation. Pressure on me, i got to do right, but also an expectation that God will do... Fill in the blank. Yep. If I do this, this, and this, then God will Even do... Even this, this, this thing maybe he I've done to. my part right. transactionally. Yep. Because I do remember <sighs> thinking that way. It wasn't explicitly taught to me that way, but I can remember thinking that way. Right. So then, when prayers weren't answered with a resounding yes, and things were going south, I remember the confusion that I... Seriously, the confusion <laughs> that I had about, but I'm doing... Because I've been pretty good lately. I'm doing the stuff. <laughs> Think about it. How often do we relate to God of Santa Claus? Right. Okay, I'll be a good boy this year, but I'm expecting some good stuff. It's No coal in my stocking. No, that's the whole tragedy even around that, that thinking. Mm-hmm. The good boys and girls get gifts. No, no that, that misses the whole... In other words, because now it is a... Re- a reward. It's not a gift. It's a 
And that's the actually the, the it's a recompense. It's the sad little. I don't know. We laugh about that, but the idea, yeah. Oh, it's for good. No, God's gifts are for Grinches and and Scrooges and screw ups and. Well, and isn't that actually as we watched, <laughs> we watched the, the beginning of the new Grinch last night? And Marlon, we couldn't take it, so we didn't finish it. <laughs> but isn't that the story of the Grinch? In one sense, the the particularly little Mary Lou Who, I can't remember which Who she was. Lulu Who. Betty. Betty Lou Who. Betty Bop Who Lou. <laughs> but because she has such a generous and loving heart toward the Grinch, she eventually, you know, folds like a lawn chair and just becomes this loving... <laughs> Anyway, it is the, it's, it's the goodness of God, the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. There was another thought that I had. For years I've been teaching in different messages around this time of year. I called it the Santa God. You know, we, we create God in our own image and, at, at mm-hmm. points in our life. But a lot of times Santa Claus, if you think about the songs about Santa, he's like God. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if, if you've, you've been, been bad or good. And he's very tuned into that. So be good for goodness sake. Right. So you better watch out. You better not cry. Better like, not pout. Like, like crying's wrong. You better not right. pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. And I said, how many of you, you know, you sort of grow up with this idea. Santa's omniscient by that song. Oh, sure. Right. And he's very attuned to right and wrong. And his, his idea of right and wrong isn't necessarily yours. Well, he's also crying was a problem in the story. In the he's omnipresent. He's everywhere at once. <laughs> I'm uh, omnipresent. I'm fairly sure that song was written by a guy. You better not cry. I just thought about that for the first time. Like crying's a bad thing. But I remember well, as a boy believing it was <laughs> right. Well, I'm telling you why. Well, I wonder what he Sometimes came up with first: just... cry or why. <laughs> I say, I'm telling you why, I'm telling you why, so you better not... I better not... You better not fly. Spy. No, better, you better not spy, that would be good. <laughs> Possible. Possible. Better Let's not go cry. cry. That's good. He probably had a four-year-old at home. <laughs> Stop your crying. Uh, but Santa Claus is coming to town. Even that, Jesus is returning. It's that whole idea that we sort of grew up with the Santa God. And coal in the stocking, I guess, was the essence of, not just consequence for sin, but the ultimate coal in the stocking would be hell. Well, but I think the the sad reality of that is that narrative does get transposed to God. In fact, if if you look at that thinking, where we do think God's primary concern is right and wrong behavior, and He's tracking that all the time, that this is very, very uh, that He wants to make us more moral people, and so He offers rewards for morality. Yeah, but it's a terrible oh. idea about God. It's not. He's well, not. There's not. Oh, there's, yeah, yeah. This is such a big. So this is something. I'm glad we're bringing this up because I, I saw it, a person tweeted a certain thing, and it's a person that in in my in my mind I experienced this person as a Pharisee. Just just a lot of, okay. the, the way that they tweet, yeah. tying heavy burdens on people, and okay, it's just, it was very. It, it made me very sad. But he he was talking about. God and he said he said if you had in essence you know if you had any idea of how holy God is you know you would stop doing the stuff you're doing or something like that and I'm like what does holy actually mean we've attached holiness to moral purity so God when we, when when a lot of people when they think of God as holy they think God is morally pure which is certainly true but holy means set apart right. and when it says that God is most holy 
What that means is he is completely set apart. He's completely other than us. He's without peer. It, without peer. And it's not... So we should be holy like God is... Like morally pure as God is holy. He's calling us to be set apart. But we've attached it to moral pure... And it, I just I want to do some more thinking on that because I found myself going, I wonder how many people think, oh, well, we're just unholy. We're just, we're just God's, God's expecting, looking for moral purity. And yet even when you watch Jesus walking with his disciples, that did not seem to be what he was looking for. But we are to be other than. Right. We're different than the world in, in relation to money, in relation to how we even approach death and dying. And I was just thinking about, you know, because, you know, I... Mom and dad, and, and uh, for those that don't know, are in assisted living now. And when I think about them passing at some point, I'm just like, they're going to be home with Jesus, face to face. In other words, the, part of the otherness that we as followers of Jesus should have is we just approach death differently. We're not, we're not, we're not afraid of it. Yeah. It's, not, it's no longer the enemy. It's, so it's just one another thing I was thinking about this week about what does it mean that God is completely holy. Even that term, hallowed be your name. I wanted to, I meant to look that up well, this morning it, in my devotion. What I wanted, but one of the heartaches for me is I realized for holiness, we had a, we've had a very narrow view. So now listen. And it wasn't even moral purity. Right. It was, it was legalistic. He is morally peerless. Okay. Without. Yes. Morally peerless. <laughs> but what we didn't think, even that with holiness, we did not think about holiness encompassing mercy. No. In other words, <laughs> right. That that Roger, he's without was, peer with his. It was sins of commission. We talked very little about <sighs> sins of omission. Yeah. Which are which are real. And it was often activity based as opposed to heart based. Where's my heart? Compassion, mercy, and Jesus would constantly come back to. Really, what he's come back to is that even if we think of holiness as behavior centric. Your behaviors flow out of your heart. They they flow out of your yes. values. They flow out of, and so you're just you're just scratching the surface. You're you're just it's it's putting as we say a, a, a band aid on a fester, festering sore or a gangrene. But that's going to fix. I read Jesus yesterday talking about the Pharisees. He said, "You clean vigorously clean the outside of the cup and the dish." Right. He said, "But inside is full of." wickedness and greed first clean out this would first clean out the inside then the outside will be clean as well that is that idea that behavior flows from the heart right jesus do the heart work you guys have got heart stuff going on your behaviors outwardly look good to people but what's driving those behaviors is wickedness and and greed i just had a thought i gotta stay with it before i lose it stay with it stay with it bruce again in the culture we grew up in which was fundamental independent Baptist, most of the sins that we were to- told to avoid were sins of commission. Don't commit this sin. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Right. Roger, do you realize in Matthew 25, the only sins that the king brings to light that keep people from the kingdom, all of them were sins of omission. You didn't welcome the stranger. You dis- didn't visit me when I was in prison. You yeah. didn't help me when I was poor. You didn't give me water when I was thirsty. You didn't give me clothes when I was naked. <gasps> and it wasn't. Roger, That every single one of them was a sin of omission. Right. It's something we didn't do. <laughs> oh, this is big. This might be the greatest pastors ever. <laughs> Bruce loves I gaining love- a 
fresh insight. I do. Little epiphanies that come that change my... You're very epiphany-oriented, yes. I am, or insight-oriented. Yes. Because you know what it means. It's going to end up... Te- I'm going to teach it somewhere. <laughs> I don't know where, but it's going to get taught. And I'm going to ask... Use the pastors to help turn this into a... Teaching time. A wonderful sermon. Oh, I got the whole keynote for joy done, thanks to you. Excellent. It's called The Two Sides of Joy. Which is that... Which was last week's we podcast as we... Um, <laughs> outrageous laugh, laughter and what was it? Uh, unexplainable joy. Joy unspeakable and full and of glory. <laughs> I can't remember what you called it. Fun words that begin with P. Yeah. <laughs> I think there was something going uh, on there. Good times. I, I need to give you your gift. So I need to, Oh, yeah. sorry. I, yeah. I got you off your... Oh, no, 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 no. It's... You no, it's... Can, We're I, not scripted. We're should not. I run out to the garage and get your no. gift? No. No. Okay. No. Well, I'm very excited to get a gift. Oh. And you didn't have you to have? buy this for yourself. Okay. Roger got me a bag. Oh yeah. I it's like a it. really nice bag. It is a nice bag. I put some cushioning in there to kind of just fill it out, but it's a nice bag. You put cushioning in the bag? <laughs> oh. It's not, it's, oh. It, no, it's. Oh, I think it's what I think it is. No, it's not that course. No, it's, I it's think another it's. another course. Oh, it's not that course? No, it's not that course. I don't even know that I want to pull it out then. <laughs> I thought it was going to be Augusta. I know, that's what I realized. I, I read today that Augusta is letting all the live players play. Did you see that? I did see that. Oh, okay. It's a, it's a towel. Oh, this is better than Augusta. This is the old course at St. Andrews. Yes. That's a, Come on. That's a sign I should play there next year. <laughs> well, is that going to be one of the continents you're going to be on next year? Uh, well, Lord willing, I'll be on four of them. Actually, uh, the Middle East, that's part of Europe. Think technically, yes. Yeah, and then Africa, where I'll be in Tanzania doing Mount Kilimanjaro, and then Peru, Peru, which is provided, provided there's, provided they 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 get they all resolve that, all that political stuff sorted out, and also no here in the United, United States. And Marlene wants me to do a backpacking trip in. Um, Ireland, but if I do, I'll also go to Scotland because of the proximity and play at the old course. I wonder if they'll give me a, like, a discount. Is it a public? Can you play that course? Yeah. Okay. So what you have to do is, because I've got buddies that have played there, they have a few uh, open tea times. You can't get them in advance, so you have to get in line at 2 a.m. You're literally going to sleep outside. and Really? Yep. You're getting in line. 2 a.m. you got a sleeping bag. I would set up a little tent. You know, just hop inside there. And then they got they got to play by nine o'clock, so they waited seven hours in the cold. But you're pl- you get to and play. And you're banking that there are some empty slots. That they're still and they always hold some empty slots, but <laughs> you don't okay. know where you are in line. Now, if you get there at four a.m., you're probably not. I don't. Might be three o'clock before you play. I don't. But it's a fascinating thing that anyone. It's a public course. Okay. So anyone can play, and I've always wanted to play there, and now I've got the towel. To get me that, Roger. Thank you. You're welcome. This is such. This is, yes. See, this is a meaningful gift. <laughs> Other people wouldn't even get why this is important, but I do. Okay. Now, so. what I was thinking about, though, um, there's my bag, and we talk about the um, insights that God has given you, but um, you talked about the two sides of joy. I, I guess I, the, my other thought here then is the two sides of Christmas. It was, I was thinking about this this morning. Of, um, 
for some people, Christmas is not the most wonderful time of the year. Or this right. year, it's not. Sure. So, I was talking to Mom and Dad a couple of days ago. Yep. And, and Dad brought up, well, you know, this is the first Christmas when we haven't been at home. Yep. So, I realized that, and it was this reminder in all of our holly jolly and, and so on, that actually there's some people dreading Christmas this year. Um, and so, I was thinking you would be great for this. And I mean, I, not that I may not have a thought as well. But because of what you've done with Blue Christmas in the past, yep. so how do we what even what about this is a I'll put frame it this way: What's the gift that people there that this is going to be a Blue Christmas? Um, just think about this course. What's the gift they need from us? And obviously, using the term "gift" in a very very yeah. broad um, how do we, how do we walk with friends or family? Yeah, that's that's great, and it's interesting because it dawned on me, it dawned on Dad, and I shared this at Blue Christmas. I said this will be the first time in my fifty-eight years that I won't be home for Christmas with Mom and Dad. Now that's not there was one year that I had the flu that I couldn't be there, so I guess. It, but the first time that our family was not having Christmas at Mom and Dad's, at Mom home and Dad's house in fifty-eight years, and it struck me that's a great loss. That's there's a there's a certain sorrow to that. So when I think about you know, if I was helping people that are helping people that are having a blue Christmas, you know, and I, the passage that I used this time was the one actually before Jesus entered into Jerusalem. Or no, no, it was, it was after he was in the upper room with them. He said, the world, he said, you will mourn while the world will rejoice. And that's part of the way blue Christmas feels. You know, everyone's rejoicing and happy Christmas and merry Christmas. I mean, merry is an interesting word. Right. Merry just assumes jo- joviality and Jolly is another word. So jolly, think with the words happy holidays, holly, jolly, Christmas. jolly Christmas, merry. And so what I tell people, and what I would tell folks listening right now is if you've got a person that's grieving, grief, know this, grief does not take a holiday. In other words, in fact, grief in one sense can exacerbate, the holiday can exacerbate the grief. Because that holiday is that you're, you're reminded even more succinctly of the loss. This person's not here. Or we're not, at, for our family, we're not at that place. Mom yep. and dad's. Yep. Home. And so I would encourage folks to be a safe presence. Safe presence is this. Presence means I'm going to be completely with you with no expectation. I'm just going to be present. Uh, for some people, that means I sit with them. For others, that means I can hug them or I can hold them. That would not be what David needs. That would be an unsafe <laughs> presence. And then uh, when Our I say David. presence is just being with people without feeling like you have to say anything. I'm just, <clears throat> I'm just present. But the second part is safe. And I realize often we become unsafe with our words. It's, it's, it's what we say that becomes unsafe. So a safe person allows someone else to grieve and mourn out loud. And without me saying, gosh, you're such a buzzkill at this time of year. Can't we just have... Because that's what people are feeling. Often, they're looking, I don't want to be this burden. It, yep. There's this holiday season, and this is what led... To the thought I had, which is um, notice. So I was thinking about the gift of noticing, which is, here's where I'm going to frame it. Um, I would challenge you to do this maybe before the day is over. I want you to think about yeah. friends or family in your life that might not be looking forward 
to Christmas. What just to actually think, and then so now I realize because I remember times I remember I had this remember this epiphany a couple decades ago. Just thinking, oh yeah, Mother's Day, you know, all moms love Mother's Day, and then to come in this crushing realization through life and experience. Oh my gosh, no. Well, same way with Christmas. Yeah. <clears throat> so now think about who in your life. Um, might be dreading Christmas or think about losses, whatever. And I was thinking one of the gifts is just noticing. Just check. I was just thinking about you and I thought, this is probably going to be a tough Christmas for you. Yeah. And you're just, you're just noticing. And if they want to say something. And you're giving them a safe place to expound on that. Yes. You're saying, yeah, you're saying, I care about you. And if you want to talk about right. that. It's a safe time to do that. Yeah. It's not going to be a buzzkill. It's not going to ruin my Christmas. And, I want to hear from you. And what I realized, the signif- what struck me about that is no one wants to be a buzzkill. So they don't want to bring it up. Right. You're, I don't want to ruin everybody else's. So if I come to them and just give them... Permission. Permission. Give them an opportunity. Listen, I, again, I was thinking, gosh, this has got to be a really tough... Christmas, um, you know, how, how you doing? Or um, and that really is. That, I care about yeah, you. That yeah, that is that's safe presence. What you're talking about. That's actually a um, that's a that's a behavior of safe presence. I'm noticing. I'm paying. Noti- I'm, yeah. paying I'm paying attention. So with all the cheer and all the um, now, here's a really weird. Oh, well, I just realized how often over the years that I've had depression at. Christmas time. Like, even today is winter solstice. But it's the 21st. That's right. Shortest day of the year. That's right. Well, for people that struggle with seasonal affective disorder, which I definitely do, short days are really, it can be really hard. It's just, we don't get enough, we don't get enough light, but you can feel depression. Yeah. Which is, which is sometimes a feeling of sorrow or even, for me, irritability. And I don't know totally what it's attached to, but I was thinking back over the years... 50-something Christmases that I can remember, but a, a lot, particularly a lot of the adult Christmases where I was actually experiencing depression, but the last thing I wanted to do was say that to anyone, admit that to anyone, right. talk about that, because I'm like, I don't want to take anyone else down. Exactly. Exact. That's, that's the burden. Yeah. There are going to be all kinds of people you know that are carrying that burden this holiday season. And so if you have a loved one that seems just a little bit checked out... Which I that's how I would sort of manage sometimes depression. I would just sort of check out. I remember times where the family singing. I'm just laying on the. I'm literally laying on the floor, and I'm listening to the family singing. But I just feel sad, and I feel I don't feel like really interacting with anyone. Which is why safe presence is important. The other thing is, if a person doesn't want to talk, a safe person gives them space not to talk. Right. It's okay. In other words, I don't. Whatever you do, don't say what's wrong with you. That's just that. It's that makes them feel that whole sense of. You're messing this up. What's wrong with you right. that's messing it up for all of us? Right. The, the idea that it will take things down. But I can always say something like, hey, how are you doing? Yeah. Now, I don't have to add anything to that. You seem down. You right. seem low. You seem, hey, how are you doing? It's just an open-ended question. And they will then dictate the rest of that conversation if there's going to be one. Right. Sometimes all I'm going to say is, hey, I'm doing fine. Because I don't feel like talking about it. And a safe person gives me space not to feel right. like talking about it. But then if I know they're safe, sometimes I go, gosh, I just really feel sad about, and sometimes I don't even know what I'm sad about. Right. Depression doesn't have to have a, a, a particular thing. 
But just, just, feel just being able to say it and getting the permission or the blessing at a time when, again, you, yeah, you don't want to be the Grinch. You don't want to be the person yep. who takes Christmas down, uh, the Scrooge, the bah humbug. That you, you can, and, and even for people who kind of feel like something's wrong, I should be happy at Christmas. I should be... That's a great... I should be. Yeah. There's all sorts of shoulds at Christmas. I should give a gift. I should be home for Christmas. Oh, and not, I should be happy at Christmas. And not not just should give a gift. I should give a gift that they love. Mm-hmm. The should of the perfect the press. Roger, and that's the pressure. Right. That's the pre- You you just nailed it. It's not just that I should give a gift because I can do that all day. I can run to the dollar store and get a it's gift. It's the right gift. It's the right gift. And will they be disappointed with the gift that I, I did know? I do know that Marlena got me one thing because she knows I like practical things. You know what she got me? Oh, you already know? Wait, don't... Spatula! Oh, no. And this is important because in 1998, I remember the year, Christmas 1998, I got Marlena a spatula because we needed one, a, a Teflon one so that it didn't scrape your nonstick pans, and Marlena burst into tears. I will not burst into tears over my spatula because we need it. We need it bad. But I know it already. I saw it in the back. Ah, okay. Gifts. You one of those people, persons that check, tries to find the gift in advance? No, I was looking for my gifts that I had bought, and I just happened to look in her bag, and I saw a spatula, and I said to myself, "Self, that's probably for <laughs> that's you. Probably. Try not to cry." because <laughs> you're pretty sure it's not one of the gifts she was giving to herself yeah from you. Is not buying her, she's not buying herself a spatula there's, there's too much history with the spatula in your relationship quick gear shift here because this is how the pastors roll so thanks to your wife Joy I watched The Shepherd last night what's The Shepherd? Yeah, the Shepherd is do the I know, do I, I have no yeah well it's, it's, the, it's the chosen it's the Christmas it's the short story that he did before The Chosen ever came out. Oh, the short, okay. The short that, film okay. that he did. Yeah. Just called The Shepherd. It's about the birth of Christ. And I was weeping once again. I can't watch The Chosen. I've just got to have a big giant towel next to me when I watch The Chosen. I cry every time I see anything Chosen. I haven't seen season two yet. Now I'm going to start season two. But it was so interesting. So many things about... I, Dallas Jenkins is killing me, by the way. Just <laughs> killing me. In the same way that his father was such a creative book writer, he is this incredible storyteller visually. And when I saw, I saw something for the first time about the Christmas story that I'm like, that makes sense for the first mm-hmm. time. You're going to think I'm, you're like, well, that's stupid, Bruce. Everyone saw that. Don't it, tell me what I'm going to think. Okay, so. I refuse like, to think that. It's this whole thing when he. The shepherd is the story. There's four shepherds in the story, but there's one shepherd in particular who's lame and who's, who's leading a lamb. They're all bringing lambs. The idea being they're bringing lambs to Jerusalem for, for, the, for uh, sacrifice, but they have to be the unblemished, spotless yep. lamb. And he's, he brings this lamb, and, and he's, he's already hobbled. He's, he's a cripple, and the lamb has a blemish on it, and the Pharisee just sends him away angrily. And don't don't bring another. It's it's people like you. He said the people the Messiah won't come because of people like you bringing these blemished sacrifices. Oh, yeah. Just brutal, yeah. just brutal. <laughs> and this guy just feels so. So the shepherd goes out into the field, and the other shepherds won't even hang out with him. They make him stay off with the sheep. And then the angels come. Of course, the way he does it visually, you never see angels. You never hear anything. You just see light. 
But but delight tells them everything that we know from the story. I right. bring you good tidings of great joy, which we shall right. people for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, and this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And, and all of a sudden, after the light goes away, the, the, the face of this shepherd lights up. And he starts r- just running as best he can with his canes because he's, he uses a crutch. He's mm-hmm. hobbled. And all of a sudden, he just throws the crutch away and just starts running. This is incredible. I just had chills thinking about it. Mm-hmm. He runs. And as he's running, it's running through his mind. The prophet Isaiah talking about, maybe it's Isaiah or <laughs> Micah. I can't remember. It's one of those prophet guys that talks about uh, Emmanuel. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will come for the virgin will will give birth to a child and then Mary has the baby and and you know Joseph holds it and the shepherds run in and it dawned on me and, and of course Dallas Jenkins did this so well visually mm-hmm. well of course God would reveal it to shepherds because he was sending a lamb into the world Jesus was a lamb mm-hmm. of course he visually did that throughout this little, I mean, right. it might be 20 minutes. I don't know, it's not, right. if that, yeah. a little short story. It's a short, yeah. But I, Roger, why hadn't I seen them before? Of course, uh, Jesus was the Lamb of God. And of course, of course, he's going to reveal it to shepherds first. And beautifully, then this, the other thing that struck me, and I've, I, I guess I've taught this before, but sometimes it just comes. And then about a year later, a year or two, he re- reveals it to the very wealthy, the wise men mm-hmm. come. But he reveals it first to the very, very poor, yep. the homeless, the shepherd. And he reveals the, the lamb. And then to the wise men, he reveals the king. And I realized Jesus is for the very poor and the very rich. Yep. I mean, Jesus came to save us all from our sin. Well, here's, and, and it, but anyway, the shepherds understood the lamb component. But, but now here's the other fun, other side of that. Anyway, fun, it'll make you cry. Just tell him. Is, well, who's the good shepherd? Jesus. So I'm thinking, so... The, the other piece, the other component, the other component. I am the is good of course I'm going to come. I'm going to reveal it to shepherds. shepherds because that is in that in that manger is a shepherd, and we're a bunch of lambs, and he's going to take us under his arm. Yeah, I just long to. If we'll let him, right? If you'll, you know, if you'll let me. So this idea, I mean, there's. And of course, this is God's brilliance. All the <laughs> Doug's having a blue Christmas out there. Because <laughs> God, I realize God is so individuals and pictures, and and the richness. Yeah. I think it's why we love story and movie and and. But but it's like all the things that are being captured. It's the 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 poorest of the poor yep. that are noticed and seen, and they get the first word. Um, but it's going to be a shepherd. I mean, it's going to be a sheep helpless um, that need care. It's going to be the shepherd is coming in. The good shepherd is born to you. And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Yeah. I mean, that's the story of Jesus. So you just think about all of the power that... In that imagery, in, in the Christmas, and here's, and I just wanted to talk to. If there's any listeners that struggle with faith, I was reminded again last night. This is one of the reasons that I believe the Bible, that I believe the gospel accounts, that I believe Jesus, the extraordinary prophecies, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds mm-hmm. of years before, and for each of them to actually 
accurately come about in a single person. You know what I'm saying? It's one thing mm-hmm. you've got multiple prophecies and multiple people, but 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 and there's if you do a little research on this, it's extraordinary how many. If you look at Old Testament prophecies that Jesus fulfilled, it's ridiculous. And these were hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus even showed up. And it's and it, these these manuscripts that's been documented historically, they were not written, you know, after they were written hundreds of years before Jesus came. But it's just a reminder to me of of the truth of the Bible, the truth of the gospel, the truth of Jesus. And then when I think about his death, because of course he came to die, the whole the birth was always leading to the death. This he came as the Lamb of God, which was one day going to be yeah. slain. And it's interesting, the last line, a spoiler alert, you can shut off if you want to right now about the shepherd, but the last line of the movie is the Pharisee angrily asking the young man, so what are you doing back here? I told you never to come back unless you had a spotless lamb. Have you brought me, have you found the spotless lamb? And the, you just, the kid just goes, and he starts grinning. He just has this smile. Turns out he did find the spotless right, lamb. Right. But then when you look at, at, at the cross, now that all of the prophecies <laughs> about the suffering servant, just the fact that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, which was where people would typically get lambs for sacrifice in Jerusalem, Jesus is born there. Jesus is sacrificed at Passover, when they would sacrifice the Passover. All those things, it's extraordinary. It's impossible. It literally is impossible that any one person could fulfill all those prophecies from birth to death that Jesus Christ did. So it's just another. It was just another reminder to me. My faith in God, my faith in the Bible, my faith in Jesus is not simply um, blind faith. It really isn't. It, it's there is so much accuracy to the events of Christ. It's just a reminder again. It's the biggest evidence for me is the fact that I walk with him every day, and he talks with me, and I do talk with him, and I do know the shepherd's voice, and I do hear all that to say. If you're struggling at that faith level, just do some research on the prophecies about Messiah and about Jesus, birth and death. It's it'll blow your mind. Yeah, and I think about on that in that note too, just the. The beauty of life, even even the things that are pointers. I'm not about simple pointers. Like gift giving, why is that? These things that that say something about us. Why is it that we, to this day, love is like a, a big value? We it's almost everyone. You know, love is a big value. I like what you right. Said. We need to, and yet, the very heart of the Christian story, Christmas story, it's a love story. It's, it's about story. why are we drawn to love? Why are it would it would make sense, in other words, to me, the story of a God who's always loved, never not loved. Love is all. Love has never not existed. That that actually that we were born into a love story. Is there evidence of that around? Um, there's all kinds of evidence of that that points to even to say how highly we value and see love, um, but also mercy and how much we appreciate. Um, I just see in the Christmas story, even when you think about the prophecy and all of those things, this there's a God behind the story. So even if in your blue Christmas, even in that that even the beauty that the Christmas story wasn't just this whole jovial story wrapped into it is 
mothers weeping for their children who were killed by Herod, and you have these other things, this reminder, but there is a God, there's a sovereign God behind the stories. And maybe what we love about to this day about superhero stories and rescue stories is we are in a rescue story. It dawned on me the other day that the Christmas story is a save the world story. We love save the world stories to this day. We still watch new versions, whatever, save the world stories. But I think it's a pointer that we are in the middle of the great story, a save the world story. Yeah. And we have been saved. We've been rescued. We've been rescued. For you, under you is born a savior. Well, I even thought, you know, when they, when the shepherd asked, what are you going to name it? She said, Jesus, Yeshua, Joshua, um, because Joshua was known as the savior of the, the, yeah. the nation of Israel and because he will save their people from their sins. It's interesting, even then, he wasn't called Jesus because he would save them from Roman occupation, yeah. which was their expectation. He will be called Yeshua because he will save their, his people from their sins. And? that's I mean, that's the great rescue. And then when Simeon holds him, he's this, mm. it's going to be for all people. He's a savior right. for, you know, so not... Not just the Jewish people. Jewish savior. He's a savior. Even in the Christmas story, it's very, it's abundantly clear that um, it is for, unto you is born this day, a savior, Christ Lord, a savior for all people. Yeshua. Uh, um, So. Gosh, I just got so, I'm just so excited now. Christmas is becoming very meaningful it just struck me how powerful the gospel is and why it is good tidings of great joy. Good tidings, good news. It's a gospel of great joy. It, everybody everybody can be rescued. Yeah. Everybody, no one is beyond rescue. Everyone, again, back the to the for birth always led to death. And in the death, it's this beautiful, even in his death, there's a, there's a criminal hanging on the cross next to him who in a moment just says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Yeah. And, and Jesus said, yep, that's why I'm here today. I, it's such a beautiful, it's, it is, it's the grandest love story ever. And you're right. Every, and most of it's superheroes now. We are fascinated with superheroes. But Jesus is, this actually, this actually is diminishing to what Jesus is. But he's the ultimate superhero. Right. He's the ultimate superhero. He's the only one that really can rescue the world. Right. He's the beginning. Because a superhero can only rescue the world in that time frame. Yeah. I mean, in, in that person's generation, Jesus rescued the world for all right. time, for all generations. Good stuff. Man, the pastors have gone deep today. Let's Merry see. Christmas, Bruce. Merry and Christmas, Happy New Roger. Year, since this will be our last uh, edition of the year. Uh, yeah, since you're gone next week. Gosh, I, I get a Wednesday out. Hey, can I do the pastors by myself? <laughs> oh, this is good. <laughs> <laughs> no, <And> glorious pastored. <laughs> no, I think I might bring Marie, Marie next week, and we'll have the inglorious pastors minus Roger version. It might be probably would be more inglorious than ever. <laughs> what, what are you saying about Marie? Well, I'm saying that's great. The more inglorious you can be, the 
That's awesome. That's good because we're trying to be inglorious, not glorious. Right, exactly. All right, well, with that, we wish you a Merry Christmas. We, we wish, wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. Christmas. And a Happy New 